Welcome to CBO Speaks, the official podcast of the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO John Walda, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is to have chief business officers reflect on their careers and offer personal examples of how they have navigated difficult situations and learn from their experiences as a CBO. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of research and tools at nakubo.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CBO Speaks. My name is Megan Strand, your host for today, and I am very excited to be joined today by Greg Goldman, Senior Vice President of Business Affairs and Chief Financial Officer at the University of Arizona, and I should add, currently the Chair of the Nakubo Board of Directors. Welcome, Greg. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Lots of new things going on for you. So not only are you the new Nakubo Board Chair, but you've been with University of Arizona not quite a year that is correct. All of about eight and a half months, having started here January 5th, right after the start of the year. You like to just jump in and do new things all at once. Well, you know, they say, how many new things can you do at once? So <laughs> let's move. Let's start a new job. And uh, let's actually get married last November as well. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Okay. I didn't even know about that last thing. So congratula- congratulations on all fronts. Thank you. Maybe you could start us out by talking a little bit about this transition process for you to the univers- your University of Arizona What did you learn throughout that search process? I'd be happy to. So um, my career path and the direction I came into this role, a very non-traditional for what one would think as a traditional CBO path uh, into the job. And that is the last uh, 23, 24 years of my career has really been spent on the academic side of our enterprise. Uh, The last 11 years as uh, chief financial officer for the Marshall School of Business at USC and then uh, 13 years within the UC system, both at UCLA and UC Irvine. And, and I had an opportunity uh, by way of uh, the search here to spend some time with the president and really talk about uh, what's different, what's possible from uh, a slightly different way to think about how we move into these roles. And I think more and more as we look at CBO retirements, as we look at the talent pool out there, it's going to be uh, presidents are going to have to be more and more creative in how they start to think about these these roles. And I think the one thing I learned during the search process more than anything Uh, There are a lot of things I had not done, clearly a lot of things I had done, but growing up on the academic side of of our business, things like issuing bonds, things like uh, running a police department are not things that were within my portfolio or were even within the portfolio of people I worked with. And and I made a decision early on just because you've got to be true to yourself that during the process, uh, one should always talk about what they know and really be honest about what they don't know. And from my first meeting with the president over lunch, uh, just talking about uh, RCM and possibilities, I was very transparent about the things I hadn't done. And uh, when she offered me the job, she made a point to say that that one of the things that she walked away from was my honesty and candor in, in the things I didn't know uh, as importantly as the things I did know. And my first response was, well, why would I say I know something that I don't because ultimately, how do you do it? And and she said, and I do believe this is true because we've all been on the other side of interviewing, that too often people try to make it sound like they've done more, make it sound like they have done things they haven't done. And I think if we're true to ourselves, if we're true to what we know, 
um, it's always better to do that because ultimately, if you get the job, that truth is going to come out anyway. Absolutely. And covering that up is not probably a fun thing to try to do once you've accepted the position. That's correct. And, and I wouldn't even say it's more, you know, we all we all can can bring things together uh, issuing bonds. I have not issued bonds, as I mentioned. The great part is, and this is something that why I think it's so important to be involved professionally in what we do, be it at the Nakuba level or the Akuba regional level, is I could pick up the phone, call five, 10 people that do this every day, uh, assimilate best practice, and maybe even think of ways to do things that we've never done before because I wasn't rigid in the way I've always done stuff. So I think I think have the network, make sure you pick up the phone, but but at the end of the day, be be really transparent uh, to yourself, which means you'll be transparent to your institution as well. Where do you turn outside of your own professional network to stay up to speed on just the wide variety of things that a CBO needs to stay up to speed on, whether that's something that you are already comfortable with or something that may be new to your your current role? You know, I think it, it's hard. And I like to say that a CBO is really the conductor of the orchestra. And and while we all have what I like to think is our, our learned skills and, and our natural skills. So I grew up uh, finance background, uh, where my comfort zone is, where my feel goods are, uh, get me into an Excel spreadsheet and I can <laughs> be there all day. Um, but as we move up in our careers, as we move into other roles, you really have to learn how to lead the orchestra. Uh, yes, you have an instrument you play, you know how to know how to read the music, but you probably don't play all the instruments. So I think professionally uh, and clearly, I have a bias because I'm incoming or actually now board chair for for Nakubo, as you mentioned, and I've spent 23 years involved in Wakubo, but it's the professional network of people. It's it's going to the annual conferences. It's staying current in the the field, staying current in the disciplines. It's going back to school. I think being higher education focused, we have to ourselves make sure that we support higher education individually. So I think it's conferences. I think it's networks. I think it's reaching out for people. It's it's talking to the person next to you when you're at a conference, uh, getting their card. You never know when that contact can help you accomplish something for your institution. So I don't think it's any one way, but I think it's being true to professional development. I think it's also being honest that none of us have all the answers. And, and there's something exciting about what I love about higher education is the discourse and dialogue that we can have every day to get to better ideas. Um, it's okay at a meeting for somebody to say, bad idea, Greg, because very likely it might be a bad idea. And from a discussion, we will get to a better idea. And I just think we 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 do that well in higher education because academics are so used to that. That's part of their world. And I just think if we did more of that on our side, the administrative side, we'd be better off as well. You mentioned that when you were interviewing for the job, that presidents need to take a more creative look at the CBO role. What did you mean by that? I think if we if we think about traditionally where CBOs have come from, it is from, you know, AVP for finance or facilities or VP for a portfolio of facilities, real, real estate construction. And that had been the typical path into uh, the CBO role. I think as we 
as we have a declining workforce, um, as we have greater and greater needs at our institutional levels, I think presidents have to start to, and I won't even use the word be more creative, but start to think, are there other attributes that are going to help someone be successful sitting in these very complicated, uh, very stressful types of chairs? And a lot of presidents have now started to look outside of higher education mm -hmm. uh, to look into professions that have certain traits, be it finance, be it facilities, but maybe did not grow up on the campus itself. And I think at the campus level, we're, we're very diverse type institutions. But I think as we think about different places uh, to move into the role, having grown up on the academic side of our enterprise for the last uh, 22, 23 years, as I mentioned, I understand what makes a dean tick. I understand what student needs are. I understand how, while well, maybe a bursar's office didn't report to me before, I've talked to students over the years that have dealt with the bursar's office or the payables office or the travel office, fill in the blank. And, and ultimately, it's the ability to understand how that works to bring that to the other side. I like to say that we're not going to have an amazing institution from amazing administrative services. We've got to have administrative services that are amazing, but that's not what's going to make us great. It's great faculty, it's great discovery, great research, and great students. And I think more and more presidents are going to have to look to the academic side of the enterprise, one, because of the number of retirements, but two, I think more and more the understanding of that side of our business will help empower the administrative side of our business to be even more effective, more efficient, and most importantly, best serve the community uh, at large. We talked a little bit about the challenges just of, of the definition of the role from a university perspective. But as you're talking to colleagues and probably doing more of this through your service with Nakubo, what's the most common challenge that you hear from CBOs? What are they grappling with that is hard or keeps them awake at night? You know, I, th I think, uh, be it public, be it private, uh, resource availability, I think uh, dollars and, you know, the old adage of trying to do more with less. I, I think as institutions, particularly coming off of the, the Great Recession, have had to cut and reduce, um, a great, great part of those reductions at the campus level tend to be on the administrative side of what we do. So I think, I think budget is something that's dramatically hard to deal with. I think it's a lack of understanding of the complexities. Um, you know, there are, there are rules, there's regulations. I think sometimes as a profession, we, we have too much bureaucracy, and that doesn't mean we shouldn't have policies and procedures and guidelines. But I think sometimes we make things so onerous, it's hard for people to do what they do. So I think, I think the biggest struggle are our size and complexity. It's uh, reduced workforce. It's overall budgets, uh, our, our world of, of, a, of a large uh, uh, land grant, a super land grant, you could say, uh, with two medical schools, is our facilities and our aging facilities and not having the renewal dollars or the deferred maintenance dollars to put into them. And I think all of these things uh, wear on a CBO um, when it comes to the day-to-day -day functions. When you're hearing those challenges, what's the most 
common piece of advice you find yourself giving to other CBOs, whether it's somebody you're mentoring or just a colleague? You know, I, I think it's not to be overwhelmed by the puzzle. So, so I like to say these are big Rubik's cubes. <laughs> Our job is to take this Rubik's cube and, and very rarely will we solve it, but we keep moving the boxes around in order to to do the best we can to move the institution forward. Once again, it's back to the transparency. I, I don't think we should commit to things we can't afford to do. We have to be transparent and honest about what is possible. And, and we have to be pragmatic and realistic that there's never going to be enough money out there to do what we do. There's never going to be enough staff. And to the best of our ability, we've got to take this Rubik's Cube and align the boxes in a way that enable us to move forward. So I think it's the advice I've gotten from from mentors is is you know look look downfield, um, don't look right where you're driving. The old adage: if you look where you're driving, you miss the forest ahead of you. I think we have to look ahead. We have to understand that you know budgets are secular, um, but why we're here, and that is to move research forward and to to help the next generation of students and, and learners, regardless of age or area, uh, do the best they can. And your tenure, just thinking back over your career in higher education, can you think of a pivotal moment that you feel really fundamentally changed what it meant to be a CBO? You know, I, I a fundamental moment. So, you know, technically, you know, CBO at the campus level the last eight months, CFO, at, at a large school, you know, uh, the Marshall School at USC was larger, is larger than a, a lot of small universities. Mm-hmm. I think I think the pivot point is, for me, growing up on the academic side of our business, coming into this role, particularly these last eight months, it's it's understanding the faculty and student perspective. It's being in the trenches and understanding what those trenches are like that really helped, I think, tee me up and shape my vision for how this job could be done differently. Um, and, and everyone has their own style. And I think, you know, people talk about styles and people talk about impact. I think, I think we never should say, well, so-and-so did the job this way or that way. It's what works for the individual. So for me in particular, um, I, I'm spending quite a bit of time. I committed during my interview process to all of our deans, 23 deans, that I'm spending three hours with each of them in their school, an hour one-on-one with them, an hour tour of their, of their school and facilities, and an hour of whatever they want to throw at me, all staff, all faculty, smaller group. I can't do my job sitting behind my desk uh, to help guide on behalf of the president uh, the mission vision of the administrative functions forward. I can only do that by understanding truly what the needs are out in the field. So meeting with student reps, meeting with uh, the graduate or undergraduate, meeting with the different staff associations. I think I think we have to make the jobs our own. And I think too often we try to be what it is someone thinks the job should be versus really having the confidence in who we are as a person, our skills and ability to make it what we believe it should be. What are you doing now in your current role? And I know this is probably a little bit of a tough question since it's a little bit of a new role to you, but what are you doing now that you never imagined you'd be doing 10 years ago? Wow. So um, 
you know, parts of this role which are truly new to me, which have, have been phenomenal to learn, um, you know, the, the government and legislative side of a large uh, land grant research institution. So the, the, what I would call the political side of these jobs, um, meetings with the governor, uh, meeting with legislature, the regent side of it. Um, I, I, I never thought that I would be in a role. I actually never really thought about it. Um, it's one of these things that you think you're going to be in a certain role for a long time, then all of a sudden something pops up, which is what happened here. So I never thought that I'd be in a place where um, so much of the job is external. And, and with that, you've got to truly trust the people that work for you because once again, the conductor doesn't have time to think about everything. So, so I think 10 years ago, um, I, knew, I knew that one day I may want to be a CBO. Um, I think 10 years ago, the, the vision, the direction of presidents, uh, an example I think is very, very poignant from um, even the Nakubo side. And that is I, I am, when I was nominated for the Nakubo board chair role a year ago, the first person in Nakubo's history to ever be nominated for board chair from an academic unit. Um, at the regional level, I was the first person ever to be a uh, Wakubo president from an academic unit. So I think 10 years ago, uh, you, you talk about ceilings, you talk about uh, career paths. I don't think most, most unit-based financial people saw the possibility of moving into that central role right to the CBO role. And I think that now is just changing me being an example of that, but as as we look around the country and how people are moving to these roles, same way as presidents, we're seeing more and more amazing individuals, uh, Cindy Matson as one of them, moving from a CBO role into a college president role. I think that 10 years ago was so unusual, where today, I think it, it, it signifies and shows the caliber of people uh, in these roles that now they're moving into these president roles. So I think the whole paradigm has shifted in the last 10 years at, at many different levels. Anything else you'd like to share today, Greg, that I've neglected to ask you? You know, it, it's a humbling, humbling opportunity. I I was given to move into a role like this at University of Arizona. And and I think it's don't don't assume where your career is going to take you. Don't don't assume you think you know where you're going to go. If I look at the different steps of my career, most of the things that have happened that have been hugely amazing and humbling are not things I thought about, not things I planned. Um, in most cases, not things that I went after. Um, it's things that opportunities that came up. Uh, we talk about right place, right time uh, for one's career. Um, I think that's true. You clearly have to still be good at what you do. But I think it's opportunity of the moment. It's the right place with the right president, uh, the right dean, uh, whatever the right board happens to be. And I think it comes back to what we talked about earlier, being true to yourself. And that is it's hard when you're in a search, and I've been in searches before, where you're going through a search and you just don't feel it's the right job, but it's the search is a search and, and everyone wants to, to to move into these roles. As I think... As one are looking at their career, be true to yourself in, in what you want to do, uh, where you want to go, and more importantly, how you think you would get there. Uh, for me, you know, both at the Nakubo level 
it's humbling to to have been recognized to move into the board chair role. Same at the university. And and to me, you know, I didn't I didn't plan to even think about coming here. But but being true to myself, when the opportunity came up to have an impact and make a difference, I'd always said that I would never go to the other side, so to speak, from the <laughs> academic side of our business. And and actually, a good friend reminded me of that when when Uh-oh. the announcement came out about U of A. And and what I found these last eight months is the ability to take the knowledge from 22 years of that side of our world and apply it at a more macro central overarching role. At Marshall, I had the ability to impact 4,000 students and 500 staff. Here, I've got the ability to impact 42,000 students and 15,000 employees across our faculty and staff. Wow. So so it, it's, it's having the opportunity to have a platform and to really be true to ourselves when we do it. And therefore, you can keep the same values, the same things that are important. Um, people said to me, you're crazy to spend three hours with 22 deans. And I responded saying, I'm crazy not to. So I think it's it's always be true to yourself and therefore you'll be true to your institution as well. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Greg, for your time and also for sharing just a few of your very poignant insights. It was my pleasure. I appreciate it. You can find out more about Greg and today's episode by visiting the distance learning section of nakubo.org. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks in iTunes so you'll get the latest podcast instantly. And on behalf of Greg and myself, we'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of CBO Speaks.